In the world we live in, it's often seen as somewhat mechanical. Everything is explainable. We have science, we have books, we have television, we have cameras. We have all those things out there that somehow give us protection. We're driving along in our cars because of the windshield, which is only a few millimeters of glass. We can be driving at 50 miles an hour or 70 miles an hour and not realize the violence of the wind outside. If you were to remove that glass shield, that windshield of yours was taken away, and you were to drive at 70 miles an hour on the freeway, you would realize the power of the wind. For that is the world that we live in, surrounded by a glass cage, only seeing what we want to see, feeling safe and protected. At this time of year, that begins to change. For tomorrow is All Hallows' Eve, and that means the veils will be lifted between this world and the world of spirit. Whether you're a believer or not, and that is a choice, and a silly choice not to believe, there are ghosts, there are spirits, and there are things that go bump in the night. I beg you, right now, if you're the kind of person who is frightened of the dark, scared of things that might go bump, or strange sightings or sounds, or things under the bed, or even lights that might glow above you when you wake up, then you should probably turn off this show. But if you're not afraid of things that go bump in the night, then I ask you to check all the windows and pull the curtains closed. Make sure the doors are locked. Turn up the volume and sit back. And be ready for a show that's different, for this is the All Hallows' Eve show. Samen, as it's known in the ancient Celts. For over 4,000 years, there's been a practice of this time of year where many cultures, not just the Celts, believe that things change. As the sun loses its strength in the sky and its dominance heating us through the summer and slowly sinks down and the moon becomes more prominent, things begin to change. As the temperature moves from the 80s, 100s or whatever it is in your location and starts to swing down and the barometer drops. As the cool mist comes floating in. And the nights get a little darker and the mornings get a little bit later. We enter into the solstice period of change. Salmon is a very important time in the Celtic calendar. And so is Halloween. I'll be sharing with you in a few moments a little bit about what I know of All Hallows' Eve. And then I'll be telling you stories, not the kind of stories that you hear everywhere. These are the true stories. Some are new, some are old. Some will make the back of your neck chill as you feel the hair start to stand up and a strange feeling as if somebody's in the room watching you. Others will make you think about some of the things you may be exposed to. But for each story that I will share tonight... There will be something to, to listen to. I'll still open the lines. You can still call in and ask your questions. Let me just take one, 818-921-3767. Hello, call you live on air. Hey, Andreas Denise, how are you? Denise, I am fantastic. So what is your question? Oh, gosh. Um, 
Can you see anything around me that I need to be aware of? Well, I've, I've not been sleepy well at night. Denise, you do realize that this is All Hallows' Eve, the head of it. We're right now, yes. this is the show that we're talking about spirits. And let me tell you what I see around you. I see okay. a combination of things. I'm seeing okay. some darkness, some light. I feel depression mm -hmm. has been haunting you for some time. and Depression has kind of crept in and crept out. It's almost like it's a yeah. barrier stopping you from moving forward and being who you need to be. At, at, at this time, right now in All Hallows' Eve, maybe it's time to kind of let go of the past a little bit more and step through, okay. those, through those veils and start to really become yourself. For what I'm seeing right now is almost the layers peeling away as if the real you is covered in conditions, preconditions, ideas, thoughts, how it's supposed to be, how to please people, like you're surrounded by all these things you've created around yourself and really all you want to do is create. Am I right in saying that? Yes, yes. Would you consider yourself to be an artist? Yes. I have a man coming through right now. He's a larger man, quite tall, strong man. Um, it looks like he's a, he's, he, he did something with his hands or was me a mechanically minded, but a very strong person. Is this your father? I think so. So he's like nodding his head as if... Yes. Your work is really important, and he's pointing at you, and yes. he's, he's saying you're not you're not working hard enough. You're not you're not doing things as if work is beneath you, as if you could do any job you wanted to. You could be a waitress, you could work in a bar, you could do anything, but you're kind of waiting for the right thing to come along. And he's he's telling me that you just need to go and get something. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because every penny counts, and even if it's the job that you don't want, it'll lead to be able to afford the paints and the colors and the things that you need to do. He's telling me that yeah. you once had a great job and things have changed, and you're still recovering from the, the PTSD from losing that job or not being in that place anymore. Does that make sense? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure what job that would be, but... Um, what was your last job? Like an actual like employee? Mm-hmm. I worked for General Dynamics. I was their corporate interior designer. So would you say that was probably a good job? Probably was because it had benefits and everything that went with it. But since you've left that job, what have you done? I've done a lot of consulting. I've done speaking. I've done uh, international work. I've done writing. I've done a lot of other things. And how successful have those things been for you? Uh, they look good on paper, but financially they haven't been successful. So your dad's point is that that job that you had had security, it had things, it was something that you, it was, you turn up and you're there and you got paid. He's concerned okay. that you may be drifting a little bit and you need to get back and get something okay. solid. I'm basically telling you to, get okay. a, to go and get a job. And I don't care what that okay. job is, but to get okay. yourself back into that practice of being able to work again. Does that make sense? Yes. And okay. then once you've got the money, then you can rebuild this other life because you kind of need the finances in order to live the dream. Does that make sense? Yes. And if you have just enough money to be able to do the advertising, to be able to build, to be able to do things with color, you will excel. You're, you've, writ you've written a book, yes? Yes. How many copies have you sold? I've been sending out proposals to literary agents. I've sent out about 400 okay. and proposals. How, and how many have you sold, the books? 
Well, I've not, I've not sold them. You sell them. You sell the idea to a literary agent, and then you sign a contract with them, and then they sell it to a publisher. So your father's talking about the books. Is there anything else that you've done that you could have sold, or something you could have created that you could have sold? Because he's showing me like a book that you could sell. Have you been thinking about doing something that's like on a smaller scale? You can just sell, just sell it. Like a book lit type thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. I mean, I could. I mean, I could take a section of what these are. Have you been um, Have you been thinking about doing that? Well, I I have, and I also created a chakra color system too. But I I've kind of been afraid to. Um, not that I want, not afraid to market it, but I'm afraid that if I don't have it copyrighted, someone will steal it from me. So people are going to steal anyway. It doesn't matter. Copyrights mean nothing. And okay. people can't steal anything that's not out there. So okay. every single day I do something that's unique. Somebody infringes my copyrights. And we, it's a constant battle in my life. But I'm not afraid of somebody stealing my ideas. They're welcome to go take it. It's kind of a go for it, but just don't steal my money and don't take it out of my back pocket because I'm from the streets of Wolverhampton, which is a bit like the Bronx, but worse. And I will come, mm-hmm. a- I will come after you. So what I'm going to say to you right now is get the, the okay. hell out there. Listen to your father. Get, get Start okay. getting this going. You've got to get used to the idea that you can do this. You're stuck. Okay. You're, you're kind of waiting for things yeah. to happen. And Denise, you, you're your father's daughter. This is, an, this is an incredibly hard-working guy that could, yes. do, could fix anything. Yes. <laughs> yes. And you've, yes. Got, you've got that DNA. So stop thinking about it and start doing it. Okay. Denise, happy Halloween. Thank you, Andre. Love you. Good Love night. You. Thanks for calling in. <laughs> Bye-bye. If you'd like to call in, it's 818-921-3767. So let's get into those stories. I will be opening the lines after the hour now, so no more calls until after the hour. But let me talk to you a little bit about my life. Let me tell you what I do and also tell you what the meaning is of Halloween, at least from my perspective. The origins of Halloween go back in time way before memory really existed. It was more of a thought that was carried through by the energy of the people that were involved in the everyday, surviving the Celts themselves. For the Celts believed in the power of the earth, and they followed the moon and the stars, and they stood around stones, and they listened to the animals, and they watched the grass grow. And from each thing that they experienced in life, they created stories of how existence became. Halloween, or Hallowed originated from the ancient Celtic festival when people would light bonfires and wear costumes to ward off ghosts. The evening before was known as All Hallows' Eve and later Halloween. But Halloween's origins date back to the ancient Celtic festival, the same in, uh, or you can, if you want to be really technical, sewing. And the Celts who lived there 4,000 years ago and then in the latter 2,000 years after that, became embroiled in understanding the patterns of weather, to know their crops, the spirits, and they felt as though they were connected to the animals and the plants and the things around them. Tomorrow will mark the end of summer, 
and the harvest and the beginning of the dark, cold winter, a time of year when is often associated with death. The Celts believed that on the night before the new year, the boundary between the worlds of the living and the dead became blurred. On that night of October 31st, they would celebrate sowing. And then it was believed that the ghosts of those that were past, the relatives, the good, the bad, and the not-so-nice, would return to earth for one night, one night to communicate, one night to trick, one night to educate. But all the spirits of all types would appear. But the Celts thought that the presence of otherworldly spirits also made it easier for them as Druids to be priests, to make predictions about the future. This is the one time of the year between now and tomorrow night when if you want to make a prediction, you want to go and get a tarot reading, you want, to, you want to know about your future, you want to face a problem, you want to fix things, this is the time to do it. For this is the time when the magic begins. There were people that were entirely dependent on the volatile natural world and these prophecies were an important source of comfort during those long, dark winters. Things began to change, though, as the world grew a little bit older. Generations moved on to the point there was a new land discovered, the great land of America. And as these beliefs and customs of different European ethnic groups and the American Indians meshed, a, a distinctive, distinctive American version of Halloween began to emerge. The first celebrations included play parties, which were public events held to celebrate the harvest. Neighbours would share stories of the dead, tell each other's fortunes, dance and sing. Colonial Halloween festivities also featured telling of ghost stories and also the talk of mischief-making of all kinds. Then, by the middle of the 19th century, an annual festival was born. But yet... Halloween was still not celebrated everywhere in the United States. It was still something that wasn't quite there. But that was about to change. As many Europeans started coming in from the potato famine in places like Ireland and some of the Europeans and the Dutch and the French and the Italians, there was a mixture of traditions. Borrowing from many of these traditions, Americans began to dress up in costumes and go out the house asking for food or money, a practice that eventually became today's trick-or-treat. Young women believed that on Halloween you could divine the name of the, per the person of your future husband, what they would look like, who they would, who they would be. They would do simple tricks like looking at yarn, apple rings, pairings, staring into mirrors or even water. One of the most famous ones of all is at midnight when the last gong of midnight is gone. To turn all the lights off and take a candle and stand in front of a mirror and watch the flame flicker and there you would see your true love appear. During the Celtic celebrations of sowing, villagers disguised themselves in costumes made of animal skins. They were to drive away the phantom visitors they would prepare great feasts and try to placate, placate the unwanted spirits because they believed that if you kept them happy, you kept them away, you didn't insult them and you were respectful, for the rest of the year you would be safe and especially in those dark winter months. 
In later centuries, people began dressing as ghosts, demons and other malevolent creatures, performing antics in exchange for food and drink, the custom known as mumming. It dates back to the Middle Ages and is thought to be an ascendant of the trick-or-treat of modern day. In Scotland and Ireland, young people took part in a tradition called guising, dressing up in costume and accepting offerings from various households. Rather than pledging to pray for the dead, they would sing a song, recite a poem. Alas, poor Yorick, he is dead. Poor Yorick, he died in bed. On his return, he'll say good night, for tomorrow will be the end of his plight. Each story would come through, and they would be changed depending on the person. Your husband's not here? Oh, I'm so sorry, dear. But never fear, because we are here. Let us sing a song for you, a song for the dead. In Scotland, even today, there are still people that burst into voice and song on All Hallows' Eve. It's an incredible time when, instead of trick-or-treating as such, it's more about the music, more about supporting people or caring for someone that's lost somebody. They would tell a joke, perform some sort of funny trick before collecting their treat, which often in Scotland would typically consist of fruit, nuts, coins and large amounts of whiskey. The humble beginnings of our lives are often from things that we learn from our family, traditions that grow on. This tradition that is over 2,000 years old now has been continual, I ask the question, I beg the question, does it really work? Is it possible, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, that these jack-o'-lanterns actually keep away those evil spirits? Is it possible when you're carving the face into your pumpkin, whether it's a simple little detailed one or whether you're the artistic person that creates one of these splendid, beautiful pumpkins? Are you really protecting your family? For I believe right now, as this night unfolds into tomorrow, we're going to see a lot more strange things. As a practitioner that works on the good, the bad and the ugly in my world, for I am a healer, the first and foremost. I follow that with my intuition. I'm a medium, which means I see dead people and a lot more as of the next few days. But ultimately, I am somebody that's been given the gift to help not just the living, but to help the spirits. In the next few days, my clients will be calling me for a number of problems, citing strange things, things they cannot explain. And exactly at the same time, spirits will be piling through. For the room I'm in right now, the temperature has dropped dramatically. If you would like to have a reading after the hour, you have a chance to call in. But I warn you, this is not like a normal show. The stories I will tell you, the things I will share with you are real. And if you're calling in to speak to somebody, I cannot guarantee that person will come through. But if they do, we will test them to make sure that they are who they say they are by asking questions that only you and they could know. For as much as we need the proof today, this time of year, there's the trickery. You might not believe in the good and the bad, but let me tell you, the dark is very sinister. It does creep around you. It's there waiting for an opportunity. For the fool that goes on the Ouija board after a glass of wine, you will be my customer by the weekend.
For the person that goes into the graveyard and dances on the graves because they think it's fun, you will be a client of mine by next week. For the person that thinks this is just a load of baloney and does things that they're told not to do, makes enchantments, goes into places they shouldn't go into, walks into haunted houses, does things that they know are spiritually dangerous, you'll be my client by next week. This is my busiest time of year. For the foolish really come through right now. I cannot fix stupid. And there are times when there are such spirits that are more powerful than anything that I know where we'll team up. Sometimes it's quick and easy to remove and other times not so much. And the next story I'm going to share with you will share with you something that happened recently. Not a hundred years ago, a thousand years ago, or even last week, it was very recently, just a few days ago. And I've kept this from everybody. I've told no one about this because I wanted to keep this one quiet. This was a conversation and a difficult one for me because I realized exactly what this person was getting into. Sit back and be ready. And I'll ask you once again to make sure the doors are locked. I'll ask you to look around you and just make sure that the windows and the curtains are drawn. We don't any ghostly faces peering in on you. I'll ask you especially right now to be prepared. And if you don't want to hear these stories or them to be shared, then it's best that you go off and turn something fun on. Turn up the lights. But if you're the kind of person like me that wants a little bit more of the darkness, now is the time to do it. I'll be back in a few moments and be prepared for a true story. Welcome to the Talk with Andre show. We're about to share a real story. And this is a short story. It won't take too much of your time. But it will hopefully give you a chance to think about what All Hallows' Eve really means. We're all tempted to explore other worlds. Uh, Many of us think that we are gifted in some way. That no matter what's thrown at us, we can deal with it. Because we are spiritual. But what happens when you get a little bit too much involved, when you think you're more than you actually are, when you take the step into the dark side? I get these calls all the time, but this one had a sinister twist to it. I'm friends with a lot of people, and I pride myself on having good friendships. And this was by no means a friendship that it was, should be taken lightly, Having known this person for a long time, living back in the UK, or England, if you'd like to use that terminology, there are incredible people that make friendships with you, but there are people also that you're friends with that drive you crazy, that always think they know better. And this particular person, she's a wonderful soul, do not get me wrong, but she's always dabbled in the darker things. She's always had an interest in things that go bump in the night calls herself a ghost hunter. She's done many readings for people and over the years has been quite successful. But this was going too far. For she decided to do something which I do not recommend to anybody. It was actually just a few nights ago and they decided that they were going to take a Ouija board into a graveyard. 
And not just any old graveyard. This was an old church which was famous for being haunted. Her and her friends wanted to see what they could summon up in this graveyard. Now, I'll give you an idea of the ancient uh, roots of this particular church. The church was built over 1,200 years ago and is the site of many great and wonderful things and horrible things. It is particularly the site of a, a, a battle known as the Battle of Hastings, which happened very close by. Over the years, as they've extended the church or done repairs, they found many bones, many body parts, for the church was believed to have been as, used as a bit of a hospital. And back in those days, there was no anesthesia, no real medicines. They just cut those limbs off that were badly shattered, and then they would quickly burn the area in the hope that it would stop it from bleeding and the person would recover. So here we go, a grown woman with some grown friends, with a couple of bottles of wine and an old Ouija board, creeping into an old churchyard in the middle of night, surrounded by trees, where no one can see them from the road, and getting out the Ouija board. At first it was fun, and they had some good, good interesting things come through, keeping careful notes, enjoying it, but then they drank a little bit more wine, and things began to unfold. The next spirit that came through was different. It was stronger. It was making the little board move around slightly. And as they, hand, as they had their hands on the planchette, it would shoot over very quickly, almost violently in the way that it moved. So they asked the name. It shot over to D, then to the E, then to the V, then to the I, then to the L, all so quickly. And then they realized that something was wrong. They let go of the planchet, but it kept on moving. It was moving violently around, and then it shot off and hit one young girl in the stomach. This was the point that it was time to go, and they realized they'd gone too far. She did a blessing, she lit some sage, said a few words, and closed it down, thinking that it was all good. On the way back, they were driving in their car, and they'd been drinking a little bit, so, you know, you don't drink and drive. The next thing they know, there was a loud crash. She got out of the car, and there was a tree branch that hit the side of the car. But there was no tree. They looked around, they couldn't see any trees anywhere, so they just presumed that maybe a truck had been driving down the street and a piece of a log had fallen off. They got home that night, and when she woke up in the morning, her friends all decided to leave and head off to their various places. It was a, I believe, a Sunday morning now, a Saturday, sorry, a Saturday morning, and off they went and did their thing. But it didn't stop there. She was in the kitchen, and her normal routine was to get up and grind her coffee and make her coffee, but she felt as though she was being watched. She said, Andre, it was the strangest feeling. I know you're a medium, and I know that you're used to these sights, but... I felt like I was being watched, but watched from everywhere, not just from behind, as if there was a million eyes around me. So as she was making breakfast, she decided to cut up a little bit of meat and a little few things to put on a plate and a little bit of cheese, a typical British breakfast, by the way. She baked the sausages and got the bacon out, and as she just finally cut the cheese, the next thing she knows, she looks down and she's cut the end of her finger off. She's literally like her finger wasn't there, taken the knife and chopped off the end of the finger. There was blood everywhere. She ran into the bathroom and she wrapped it in a towel 
and decided to go to the doctors. We have a similar thing as urgent care there, but it's a little bit different. She called her husband down. He came running, and he saw the amount of blood, and uh, they started packing her up. And then she looked in the mirror in the bathroom and looked up, and she could see blood coming out of her eyes. She turned to her husband and screamed, and he looked at her and said, What's, what's wrong? She said, my, I'm, I'm, Look, I'm, I'm, my eyes are bleeding. And he said, There's nothing, another knot. She looked back, and it was fine. She looked down at her finger, and there was no blood. She went back into the kitchen, and there was a little bit of cheese on the, on, the, on the cutting board. It was cut. There was no blood anywhere. And he looked around, and he could have sworn he'd just seen blood everywhere, and it was gone. This was the start of the tricksters that come through. The ones when you're playing games with the spirits, they all play games with you. Oh, you think you're clever enough to avoid it, but once you open those doors to those tricksters, it will continue. Husband decided that he was seeing things and went to find his keys. He couldn't find his keys anywhere. He looked all the way around and there was no keys there. He made himself a smoothie and was just about to go out and he poured the smoothie down the sink and turned on the trash compactor and it made a horrific noise. He peered inside and what looked like his car keys were in the trash compactor. Luckily he had a spare set he told his wife not to touch the trash compactor, that he dropped his keys in there somehow and they'd been destroyed. He gets to work, goes out to the car and he sees her car parked there and remembers her hitting the tree. He walks around to the front to look at the damage. There's no damage, there's no marks. Thinking how lucky they were that they didn't do more damage to the car, he gets into his car and drives away. She's at home and she works from home and she sits there on the couch and she pulls out a laptop, which is a Mac, by the way, and she starts to type onto the, the, onto the laptop. And she gets this overwhelming feeling that somebody's standing behind her. She turns around and the most bizarre thing you can ever imagine was behind her. She had a hat stand which was an old antique hack stand which stood in the corner by the door as you walked in. You could hang your coat on, put your umbrellas in and, you know, do whatever else. you put your hat up there, whatever you wanted to do, and it would just stand up there. It was an old thing from probably from the 1800s. It was moved and right behind her. And as she looked around the room, there were chairs knocked over. There was some paperwork that her husband had left had been spread across the room. And all this had happened in less than a couple of minutes and she realized at that point... Something was really wrong. She took out the sage, she did a blessing, she tried to get rid of it, did all the things you're supposed to do, and then called her husband to tell him. Every time she picked up the cell phone to make a call, it would bleep, and the battery would seem to drain. She'd plug it in. It would get charged up a little bit, get back up, try to call, couldn't call to her husband. They didn't have a house line, like most of us today, they live on their cell phones. Eventually the phone seemed to charge up and she finally got through and, and told him what was going on. By this point, he was beginning to freak out as well. He decided to leave work early and come back. And then he said, quite clearly to Amber, why don't you call Andre? Well, there's a huge time difference, some, some eight hours. England's ahead of us. And I got the call about mid-afternoon, so I picked up the phone, recognized the number and began to chat. 
When she told me what was going on, I made the realization that this was not a normal poltergeist or haunting. This is demonic, demonic to the third degree, which means it's very dangerous. Fortunately, the town they live in, I know people that could help. So I got on the phone and called a few people. This is where it gets even more serious right now. The priest that I called and a friend of mine who were experts in demonology went to the house and they couldn't open the front door. She was standing behind the door with her husband and they were trying to open the door to let them in. The door would not unlock. The priest suddenly felt heat on the side of his face and turned towards my other friend, who was the demonologist. There was a small handprint across his face as if he'd been slapped hard. At this point, we're now dealing with something that is harmful and will hurt people. It gets more and more dangerous. So the next stage now is how do we get into the home? I had no, no idea this was going on until I got the call. The three of us, me in America and them there in England, worked on a strategy to try to get into the house. We eventually found a way. They came through the back door. They got into the kitchen. And that's when, can we say, all hell broke loose. Things were being thrown around the room. There was noises going on. And this is now. This is real time. This is not something getting written in a book or in the past. This is actually happening this last few, a few days ago. The priest took out the holy water, did the blessing, and other things which I'm not going to tell you, and it's best that you don't know, but it was enough to make the spirit slow down. The air became less thick. The noises went away. And then as they went into the lounge, on the coffee table was the Ouija board. Now the Ouija board was in the trunk of the car. It had somehow transferred from the trunk of the car to the middle of the table. And the planchard right in the cent planchette in the center was just vibrating, was moving backwards and forwards. The priest and the demonologist and me on the cell phone went up to it. The blessing was done. And within seconds of the blessing being done, the Ouija board just seemed to age. It's almost like the paper was peeling. And the planchet just sat there. The priest asked the husband to light a fire in their very clean fireplace, which hadn't had a fire in for years. He opened the vents and he built a small fire. As the fire began to burn a little bit hotter with the logs on, the priest took over the planchet and the Ouija board and put it on the fire. There was a bright blue flame that came from it, so blue that quickly turned red and then green, and then slowly disappeared and was gone. After that, my work was done. In the conversation this morning, they, rec they reckon that there's about £25,000, which is about probably a $20,000 worth of damage done to the house. Their cars, the seats have been ripped. The one car, is the battery has been completely mangled and won't work. Doors don't fit the frames properly. The fridge is not working. The TVs won't come on. Computers are gone. Her, her beautiful Mac, which she relied on for work, is literally a piece of junk. But the spirit is gone. I warn you, 
I beg you, please, 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 if you're going to dabble in the dark areas of life, even if you're experienced in these things, say a prayer, take precaution. If you're foolish enough to drink and have alcohol or drugs around these things, then more fool you. You'll be a client by next week of mine. What I will tell you is you need to be aware and you need to understand that this time of year, the veils are dropping as we speak. By tomorrow, there'll be a thin barrier between us and the other side. It's not all good on the other side, as it's not all good here. Maybe, rather than be playing around with things, if you have a really good question you want to ask, I have no problem with using a Ouija board or cards or going to see a psychic or a healer or anybody you want to see. But remember, respect, respect, respect. For if you are foolish enough to think that you know more than something that may be thousands of years old, that may have been here before time began, you're a bigger fool than I could ever imagine you to be. If you're going to dabble in the dark side, you... You alone are responsible for that. For the harm will affect you, your children, your family, your pets, and even your co-workers. So with a warm heart, I ask you to learn to respect the spirits. If you want to reach a parent or a loved one, free tonight, I'm opening up my services to stop people from stepping into that boundary, I will give you a free reading on the air that may help you. 818-921-3767. Before you open the door, wouldn't you like to know who's behind it? So if you're not going to take my advice or call me and you'd prefer to do this on your own, ask who you are talking to first. And if it's not who you want to be talking to, say goodbye and move on. If it doesn't feel right to pick up that Ouija board or those tarot cards or the stones or the runes, whatever you're doing, then for the next 48 hours, don't do it. As of today, there is damage done to their house. That's all it is. It could have been far worse. For when the darkness and the demons come in, they know no boundaries. They're not tied to the rules and especially when the veils are thinner, they can come and go as quickly as they want to. They will destroy everything you have, even harm you. And unlike a thing that lasts for a few moments, someone breaking into your house, then they're gone away. They can stay with you for eternity. Like glue attached to you. The more you play with the darkness, the darker you can become. Bring in the light, bring in the love, and more importantly, just, just for a moment, have the respect for all that is unseen, for all those forces that we know that are out there that we don't understand. And make your Halloween the most beautiful and safest time of the year, and not the scariest. Not all is bad. It happened very quickly. She was a mere 
12 years old and really feeling lost. She didn't fit in. All her friends seemed to be more popular than she was. And for whatever reason, it was one of those things where every time she opened her mouth, she said the wrong thing. It was almost as if she wasn't meant to be in this world. She started falling into a deep depression. But the one thing that saved her is she loved to dress up. She loved the holiday season. She loved to be out and around people. So here she was, a 12-year-old girl, and we're heading towards All Hallows' Eve. And on the day of Halloween, it was decided that she was going to dress up and she wanted to be, of all things, an angel. She remembers and told me that she went to shopping with her mom. And they went to all these different places looking for the perfect angel dress and they couldn't find everything. Everything It was just the two days before Halloween. Everything was sold out. So she was really getting disheartened. And it felt as though she would never get to be the angel. So on the morning of Halloween, her mom took a bit of time off work and they drove around the L.A. area and still couldn't find a single costume that would work for her. A mother, desperate, decided to go to a thrift store. They pulled into the parking lot, and there was something very unusual about this thrift store. It was kind of an older place, up in Woodland Hills, and she went in, and, and there, right in front as they walked in, was the perfect angel costume. They, it went in a small changing room, which was literally a curtain across a little cupboard, and she tried it on, and she couldn't believe how well it fit. It had wings, there was a wand, there was a little halo, it was beautifully white. It seemed like this was not a normal costume, as if somebody had made this. It was so detailed and so good. Well, Mom was a little worried because it was such a high quality as you're expecting to pay a lot of money for it. So she went to the lady and said, we'd like it, how much is it? And the woman looked at it and said, oh, um, $12.50. $12.50, said Mom? Yes, is, is that too much? I can discount it. No, no, that's fine. They've been looking at things for $50 upwards. Well, it was getting that time. She got everything ready, and was going to jump with all her friends and go around the small area where they lived and do trick-or-treating. She quickly pulled onto the costume, and Mom made the final adjustments, and she stepped out, and she said to me, and by the way, now she's 25, she said, Andre, as soon as I put this on, I felt magical. I, I felt like an angel. It's hard to describe, but there was just something amazing about this costume. So out she went, and as she's walking with her friends, everybody looked at her and said, you're glowing, you're beautiful. We love your costume. You look like a real angel. This built up her confidence. She was taller than the average girl, and she was always trying to stoop down and be smaller. But this time she stood straighter. Every time they went to a house, people would comment on the costume and they would give them extra candy. And quickly the two little things that she was carrying filled up. So she began to share with other smaller children, hand handfuls, and the children would look at her and say, Are you a real angel? She walked around the small area there she lived and by the time she'd finished, she just had too much candy. She sat down with her new friends because literally she didn't have that many friends. And she looked around her and she started counting. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 
11, 12 people. And there was a small little girl, probably about four, who was with her sister. And she, she counted 12 and a half. And they sat and they laughed and they joked. Well, this costume lasted just but for a year, but has always stayed with her. From that day onwards, she's had nothing but friends. And the 12 and a half friends that she's got have been with her now since that time, all in their 20s. They've gone off to college, they've done various different things, but they're all staying firm and close friends. And she tells me that there was something about that night. It's as if when she put that costume on, she became an angel. And whatever happened in that moment, in that special costume, was to change her life forever. It gave her confidence, it gave her belief, it gave her a ton of candy, but it gave her friends for life. She tells me that she would die for her friends. And if one of them gets sick or somebody doesn't feel well, she's always the first to call. And every Halloween, and she will continue to do this, she gets dressed up. She celebrates Halloween every single year dressed as an angel. And she's told me till the day she dies, she's going to be an angel. Because to her, Halloween isn't scary. It's the time and the place where she found herself. Eight one eight nine two one three seven six seven. Hello, caller. You're live on air. Hi, this is Gracie. Hey, Gracie. How are you tonight? I am good. How are you? I'm good. Where are you calling from? Uh, Arizona. Well, hello, Arizona. So, Gracie, I feel like you have questions, but I also feel like you have a lot of spirits around you. Um, have you ever felt like you've had a haunting or you've seen things? No. So I'm trying to figure out what I'm seeing around you then. It feels like there's somebody that has passed that's really close or very close to you. Have you? Has anybody passed in the last five years? Yes. Right, okay. Was this a male? Yes. All right, okay. So I'm not sure who this person is. Um, I was The first thought was it, it could be your your best friend, but it feels like your father, but it feels like someone that's really close to you. Does that make sense? Yes, it's my son. Wow. Why does he feel like he's more of a father figure? Like he's like someone that wants to do things or get things done? Um, he was very protective over me. Don't tell me too much because right now he's coming through with a whole lot of different things. Um, he's apologizing. Um, he said he said he's sorry. Was his death sudden? Yes. And he's talking about... Um, I, I'm having, I can feel pressure on my chest. Was he in an accident? No. Okay. Why, why, is, why is his breathing, it's like I, I can't breathe, like I'm being asphyxiated, like my breathing's not, something to do with my, I can't get my air. What happened to him? Um, he took his life. <clears throat> why is he talking about his breathing? 
did he did he try did he try to come back did he was was did did he realize that he he shouldn't have done it or he was trying he tried to stop it feels like that no it go ahead no after you sorry no he 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 passed on i mean quickly so i'm going to tell you what i'm seeing because this this but i'm being point he's pointing towards his chest and he's talking about mm-hmm the left side of his body and he's point he's pointing to the to his chest here on the left the left hand side. So I, I don't know whether this could 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 be to do with his heart or could be something suddenly stopping, but it it's very quick. It's like it's done. It's over. But I feel like I, I'm 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 really so unhappy with life but for a moment there's a tiny bit of happiness but I still go ahead with it, if that makes any sense. Yes. And I feel like I'm not in my right mind, so I don't know whether it's medication or whether it's something where I can't think straight, but I feel like my mind is not, my mind is really confused. Does that make sense? Yes. And I, I, I may have addictions and I may, I, I, I feel, from what I'm seeing right now, this is a good, good, a good person that got into a bad place, if that makes sense to you. Yes. And why is he pointing to his left side? Is there is there something about the left side of his body? Not that I could think of right now. Does he does he have a tattoo or something on the left side of him? Yes. Okay. What's important about this tattoo? Because I'm being told this is important. Gosh. What was the tattoo? Well, he had various tattoos. It's on the left side. Um, it's on the left side. the chest area. But this is the, this is an important one. Whatever's on the left side, he's trying to prove who he is. So he's showing this left side as if that's the most important side. Well, the only thing that I can remember on his, in the middle of, right under his neck, he had fallen angel. Right, okay. So why is that so important? Because it feels like this is a very important thing to you. He's trying to get this across to you that this 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 particular on his left side is very important. It means something. There's something symbolic to you as well. Can you think of anything any connection mm. to that tattoo? I can't. Why did not he, this time? Why did he get that tattoo? Do you know? I don't. I I was against tattoos, and he just kept getting them, but I never knew why he would get them. So this fallen angel is really beautiful. I'm seeing a lot of beauty around it. But that's not what I'm looking at. There's something on his chest as well. It's like on his left, almost like on his left shoulder. And he's saying, ask mom about my shoulder, about my left-hand side. Can you remember anything else on that left-hand side? No, I I can't. I know on one side he had... The, uh, the last name, our last name. Okay, so I, I, I think this is the proof. He's trying to show you this is me. I'm, I've got, I'm labeled kind of a thing. It is what I think he's trying to say. Now, this is going to be a horrible question, but did, did he use a gun? Yes. Okay. Um, because it feels like that was on the left side as well, or the damage on the left-hand side. Does that make sense? Yes. And he's talking, 
He thought about this, but he couldn't fight his own demons. He felt as though things had taken over him. And it was as if that the way he was living and the way he was consuming and the way he was taking care of himself, he had lost all hope, if that makes sense. Yeah. But he was still a good person. And he wants you to know that although he's still here, in one sense, that he's helping other people. And that he's become, oh, okay, makes sense. So the angel and the name, he's now guarding over the family. He's become an angel around you. And that recently he tried to reach out to you. He tried to communicate with you. Did you dream about him or did you feel him recently? Um, I do have to say about two months ago, I was in my room getting ready and I heard him saying, Mom, Mom, Mom. And he, he wants you to know it's not your fault. And did you used to go to church? I do. But have you not been going more, more recently? Like, have you backed away from church? Um, no, I, I'm still going. So who, Not as often, but I'm still going. Okay, that's what, he, so that's what he's trying to make. He wants you to, he's telling me that you, you're going a little bit less, a little bit less, a little bit less. Not completely, not giving up on church, but you're not going as much as you used to. Does that make sense? Yes. And he wants you to know that, wow, I, I, this is not for me to say, but he wants you to allow him to go towards the light. And he thinks that if you have a prayer circle for him, he'll be able to move on. Have you been thinking about doing something like that, like getting together and praying for him or, 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 or doing something special for him? Um, as far as praying, I mean, I pray every night for him, but not getting... No, this, together or anything like this that. is different. This is different. Did you have a thought recently? I mean, like in the last few days about doing something more, something more for your son. And like last night I got together with friends. Okay. In memories of him. That right. Was it. So this is again, this is improving who he is. And he wants you to know that these prayers, every single prayer has been heard, but you just have to give him permission and just tell him it's okay now because he feels so okay. he feels so guilty he feels like he let you down and he said he, he did he steal things as well not that i'm aware of for me he did never did but did he like petty crime he would just steal in order to do to to do to feed his addiction not that i'm aware of cuz he worked up until that day Right, well, he's telling me that he took things from people and that he tried to hide everything so no one would know what was going on. But he, he said he's, he's left behind... Did he leave behind, like, a girlfriend or a young woman? Yes. Is, is there a child involved as well? No. He's telling me there's a little boy. Is it possible he had a child by another woman? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. I'm seeing a little child and I'm seeing a woman. I'm actually seeing three women. So it feels like he let everybody down. So I don't know whether that's his child or whether there's somebody with a, with a child who's got, who's had a, was a baby then when he passed, but he's now, does he have a sister? Yes. How old is she? She is 32. Does she have a child? Yes. Is it a boy? No. 
Okay. Right. So this is the little boy. So I don't know who this person is, but he wants you to know that he's now ready to move on, but he is, he's going to be of service. He's going, he's going to be an angel and he's going to be basically a fallen angel, which means he's going to do a lot of work down here. He doesn't want anybody else to go through the pain that he went through. And he's telling me that he was, he tried to fit in and he tried to be like everybody else. And he was really a very sensitive guy. So once he got involved in the things he got involved in, he couldn't get out of it again because he was constantly trying to fit in. He, but he wasn't, he, he's not, he wasn't a bad guy. It's really important for him to say that. He's, he, he didn't want this to happen, but he just, he, he was sick of the lies and the deception. Does that make sense? Yes. And he's saying, he said, Mom, I love you. Uh, he just wants you to know he loves you. And he wants to thank you for what you said last night. I don't know what you said last night, but it was very important. And he's the one that got you to call today. He made damn sure that you got on the phone and called me. And he's talking about, uh, it looks like, this is going to sound really bizarre, but do you remember um, Woody out of um, Toy Story? Mm-hmm, yeah. The little cowboy. He keeps showing. Yeah. He keeps showing me Woody. Why would he show me Woody? He used to be a team roper. My brother team ropes. You know. Oh. I don't know that. <laughs> so he was like he was like the epitome of a cowboy. He was like that. Yes. Kind of like. <laughs> he's he's so funny. He's like. I was like Woody. <laughs> I was like, I, I had the same attitude. I was like, I was everybody's friend. And he, oh my God, he just, he's singing a song right now. Can I sing that song to you? Oh, sure. You've got a friend in me. You've got a friend in me. <laughs> wow. What does that mean to you? Because he said that's important to sing that to you. I... I, I really don't know. <laughs> would he have died for his friends? Um, I would think so, yes. So, it's, it's not, this is not for you. This song is for his friends. I think he feels like he let them down as well. Yeah. And he's talking about the war or like the soldier. Was he in the war or was, did he have a friend that was in like Iraq or Afghanistan or something like that? He was not. I'm not sure about his friend. All right. He's talking about somebody that's with him that died in, in service and he's with him now. So he wants you to know that person's with him. So I don't know who this person is, but it's, this mm -hmm. person's with him. So he's actually surrounded by love and people, special people. And he just wants to share that with you. But your prayers are now being answered and he's starting to move on. And I'm seeing him smiling and he's so damn happy he got to talk to you. And he just said, cowboy up. Cowboy up, mom. <laughs> wow. <laughs> on that note, I've actually got tears running down my <laughs> here right now. So I'm going to have to let you go. Okay. Thanks for calling in. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye-bye. 818-921-3767. Hello, Corley, live on air. Hello. Hi, who am I speaking to? Paula. Hey, Paula, where are you calling from? 
um, from Southern California. So who's the man they're bringing through? Because they're bringing through a man right now who's older and has passed not that long ago. My my dad's dad, my grandpa, he died, he was in his 90s. And I only met him a few times, but he was... Um, and they're showing me symbols of roadrunners. And I, I've no idea what this means, but there's, there's a connection with your family with roadrunners. It could be a road, it could be a place. That name, roadrunner, does it mean anything to you? Or is there anybody else in the room around you that can make a connection to the word roadrunner? I'm in the same. I left the room. Okay. I don't know. So I don't know what this means, and I, I can't go much further because if I, if I can't prove who it is, I don't bring them through. But I'll just tell you what I'm seeing right now. I'm seeing a man who I would say was the salt of the earth, um, hardworking, good guy, wasn't perfect, but he, uh, he, could, he could throw a punch. So did, do you know if your grandfather ever boxed or he could fight I know he's my grandfather. He was. I don't know. I don't know if he ever bought my. I know he's he's been attacked as an older man. But could he throw a good punch? Because he's showing. I'm like seeing her like a like punching back. Did he fight back or something? Did he do something to protect himself? Uh, I, I'm sure he did. He he made it out of being assaulted by several men, old younger men. And he's like, so this is what I'm going to say. He's proud of the fact that he that he fought back. If that makes sense, like he he's like he he punched hard. He's like he was because mm-hmm. he, he keeps showing me Mike Tyson. So like he didn't just give him a little tap when he hit. He hit really hard, and he's proud of the fact that I think he knocked somebody out who uh-huh. was stronger than him. But he just got him just right and just took him out. And he's saying how unfair it was. So I don't know whether he was unfairly treated by the police or he didn't feel like he had justice. Does that make sense? Yeah. And he's, to- and he's talking about um, your father's health, that maybe your father's not taking good care of himself. Mm-hmm. And he's also talking about you doing exactly the same, as if you know you could do better, but you're not really taking care of your body. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And he's very concerned about you and he keeps showing me needles. And when I see needles, I always think of diabetes. So um, is there diabetes in the family at all? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my mom has it. So you don't have to go down that route, but you're going to have to change mm-hmm. the way you eat and do things. And I think you know that, but you're not really changing mm-hmm. it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And he's showing me um, a little girl dancing and just like beautiful little girl just dancing. We, we, did you dance a lot when you were a little girl? Yeah, my little my little girl does it a lot. Okay, and you you as well when you were little. Yeah. Okay, so it's like the continuation of the dancing. You need to support your daughter in dancing. She needs to be given a chance to do ballet and do these different things because she's very skilled. And how how old is she now? She's three. She's three. Man, she's already got like the moves. So this little oh, yeah. yeah, this little girl is, is like rocking it. And he's telling me that okay, here we go again. They're showing me Roadrunner. Look, there is something around you, I don't know whether it's a building or a place, 
but there's like the like a roadrunner. There's like roadrunner cafe, roadrunner something, but they keep going back to roadrunner. Let's go back to the cartoon. Is there anything about the cartoon of roadrunner that's that you can remember that's associated with you and could be with your grandfather? Like Wiley Coyote, or like it's it's like that. There's something about the Roadrunner. No. Ah, oh, he's telling me Roadrunner, and again, these Native American ladies are talking about the Roadrunner, and the importance of the Roadrunner. I have no idea what that means, but it's something about you. Is there anything you can think of about the Roadrunner, or a place called the Roadrunner, or a thing called Roadrunner? that's associated with you or your family? I can't think of anything offhand. But when you said when you said Red Run Cafe, it's like, okay, there's something. I know there's something. It's really, it's like there. I don't even know what the Red Runner Cafe is. That's a weird name for a cafe, but it's something. Are you from, have you been to Arizona recently or are you from Arizona? I see you mentioned Arizona before, but... This roadrunner, it, it's it's so strong that it means something, and it's proof of who they are. I um, I don't know. My husband was out, and he was working out in Blythe, and I, we stayed in the mobile home. We rented a mobile home out in right on the end of Arizona, the tip of Arizona, and the Nevada border. Right. Okay. I don't know what this is. Write it down. Find out where it is. Email me. Tell me. I'm, 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 I'm really, I can see it. So I have to let you go in a second. But there's okay. something really important about that roadrunner. And it's proof that your grandfather came through. And it's it just, he's really concerned about your dad. Is your dad not mm-hmm. taking care of himself? My dad, he takes care of my mom. She had a stroke a few years back. And, I, and his shoulders have been really bothering him. But is he not like seeing a doctor or not getting help? He goes to we make him go to the doctor, and as far as ever, he has a usually has a physical annually or every other year. But he's um, if the, it, the only thing he usually complains about is the um, pain because he's got a lot. Like I said, he's broken a lot of bones, and he complains right now about his shoulders hurting. And we think it's because he's help trying to help my mom. Is he's it trying it, to lift my mom? So, my mom. so that your, your your grandfather's saying it's not his shoulder, it's it's to do with the, his organs. So. He's pointing towards the heart area, and he's also pointing mm-hmm. towards the liver. So he's telling me two things. Your father may have a gallbladder problem, and he may have a heart problem as well. And that, like, so he's in, a, he's in quite a lot of pain, and he needs to get that checked out. But he's, I don't know whether he's, he's just really stressed right now. Um, it's causing his mm-hmm. heart to be kind of skipping a beat. But I'm hearing like a da da like a sudden extra... He does have a heart murmur. Yeah, and it's gotten worse recently. And he might mm-hmm. not be talking about it because uh, I think he's scared. So I don't know whether mm-hmm. he's scared of doctors or just scared of being sick altogether. But next time we talk to him, try and persuade him to go to the doctor. Um, this could be something that's easily fixed, but if it's left, it could become more serious. Okay. And, and finally, do you have any children? Yes, two. Two. A boy and a girl? Yes. Okay. Are you, do you want a third child? Um, I had a miscarriage before my daughter, my first child. Right, okay. And do you want to get pregnant again? I do, but I had my tubes tied. And it's, right now, my the two are two, a year, uh, 13 months apart, so I'm kind of... 
I feel because I feel three children around you, and I don't know whether it's the, from the miscarriage or whether there's another child coming, but I feel like there's three children around you, and you you. you I have a stepson. Oh, okay. How old is stepson? He's eight. Is he depressed? He's. You know what? I just left. I'm at my parents' house right now. And I left my house, and my husband was trying to talk to him. I think he he fight. He he's really jealous of my daughter. Yeah. Um, don't try and fix this yourself. Get a therapist involved, because this kid mm-hmm. has got this kid has got a lot of anger issues, and um, he could try and run away from home. He could do something. He needs he needs help. I don't know what happened to him, but I felt like his his mind's been that he maybe have not been treated well in the past, mm-hmm. so it's coming through. Was his mother kind of like hard on him? No. Not that I know of. He he used to spend a lot of time with my husband's mom. Oh, okay. I, no judgment here, but someone has been a kind of like a little too tough on him, and he just has mm-hmm. a he has a lot of anger there. So I, my suggestion is, and this is entirely up to you, get him into therapy, and get him find a really good child psychologist, and that this kid will change. Because right now he's angry with the the daughter. He's angry with other people. He's becoming antisocial in a way and that needs to be changed mm-hmm. it'll only get worse if it gets older okay on that note I have to let you go thank you so much for calling in okay thank you <laughs> I, I can hear your daughter go dance yes. <laughs> bye <laughs> you're listening to the Open Mind Entertainment Network it is All Hallows Eve to be yet tomorrow it will happen so if you want to call in 818-921-3767 a chance to have a conversation, and maybe we can unlock the spirits in your world. But before we do, uh, one quick story. So one of the things that we, we have to learn to do as professionals is we, we need to know how are the signs, what are the signs of paranormal activity. And there are several signs, and we actually use seven as the manifestation goal or the, the, the mandate to really kind of ascertain whether we're dealing with a haunting or somebody's imagination. Number one is we look for phantom sounds, voices, repetitive noises, tapping, crying, and so on and so forth. Number two, which is a very important thing with spiritual activity, especially with hauntings, are unusual smells. And this could be the smell of sulfur, smell of perfume, or just a smell that doesn't fit the environment. Number three are cold spots, which, by the way, are happening right now in the studio. And then number four is physical sensations. This is feeling like you're being touched. This is a sensitivity to energy. This is something when you're feeling something around you. Number five, which happens all the time in the studio, is electrical interference. So feeling like something's touching you, feeling like the, the, the lights are flickering or your computer won't work. Number six is a manipulation of objects. This is an escalation when things start to move. Keys disappear. You see different things happen. It's something to be very cautious about. And number seven is when you get the full body manifestations. At this point, when you start seeing things that seem not just a little bit of a mist in the air, but a full side spirit, is to when be most concerned. So working through those levels, we actually can ascertain very quickly how to work with certain spiritual activity. And I will tell you that in the studio tonight, Already, all seven things have happened. I had my mouse move away from my hand. 
I've had the control board here, the sound change right in front of me. Uh, the f couple of phone calls that have come through have been dropped straight away. And I can also uh, testify to the fact that we've been smelling, I've been smelling perfume, aftershaves, all kinds of things. But the last person was very interesting because what I could smell was actually um, a thing known as creosote. And this is a plant that grows specifically in Arizona. And when it rains, this plant, this creosote plant, has a very strong smell to it. And here I'm in California. I'm actually in Santa Monica where there's no creosote. And I could smell it as clear as day. Is it possible that those deaths from suicide, those things that have happened, are right now as I leave this building late at night, I will see those spirits that will be walking on the street? Is it possible that this crowded space I'm in right now where I can feel all these spirits, the hot and the cold, the sensations as if I'm being touched as I'm trying to work in the studio, and right now my computer just flickered once again. Is it possible that in the next 48 hours, anything can happen? Is it also possible that you could make a connection or a communication to see your future, to know where your life's going to be, to talk to a lost lover, friend, husband, wife? This is the time right between the summer and the winter. The lights are going out. And instead of celebrating just with candy and just going to parties, what about taking a more serious attribute towards this and saying to yourself that you can actually reach out and talk to people that you once loved, your grandma, your family friends, your mom, your pop, all those different people that in some point, at some way have contacted you or reached into your life. Is it also possible that if you're alone, scared, lost, that you could put on the costume and you could become an angel. Or you could simply take a little bit of time to sit there quietly and say a prayer. You've been listening to the Open Mind Entertainment Network. My name is Andre. Always real and always here. Good night and God bless.